You're listening to episode number 31 of the Boys Built Better podcast. Today we're talking about kids and vaping. everyone. Thanks so much for joining me today. We're talking about vaping and I've got a great guest. Her name is Krista Timmerman and vaping has certainly been in the news, but it's something that's been on my mind a lot recently. Um, my oldest has been asking more questions about it and it just kind of made me realize that it's something that he's probably been exposed to already, which is kind of terrifying. And then, um, I just wanted to make sure that I knew how to talk with him and I kind of knew the research and was able to speak to it intelligently. So let's cut on over to that interview. I can't wait for you to hear it. Hi, Krista. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Um, We're going to cover all things vaping. Uh, But before we get into that, can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, so my name is Krista Timmerman. I'm a health educator with the Larimer County Department of Health and Environment, and I work on tobacco prevention um, here in our county. And uh, we are funded by A35 Tobacco Tax Dollars, so that's a voter-approved tax on cigarette and other tobacco products. Funds a lot of different programming in our state, but it does have some carve-out specifically for tobacco prevention that counties and communities can be using to try and combat um, smoking and tobacco-related illnesses in our region. Um, And really what my work looks like is um, working with municipalities on tobacco policies, as well as working with schools on how they can better address tobacco in their environment. And then I also um, help partner with a youth coalition here in town called Youth Action for Health. They've prioritized mental health and substance use as their two top priorities among their peers that they'd like to work on. So I just help kind of guide them through um, their projects and priorities. And uh, vaping has come up as one of their top things under substance use that they want to address with their peers. So it's really relevant that we're talking here today about uh, vaping because it's kind of sweeping the nation and a lot of parents are now getting kind of clued into what's going on and what they should be asking their um, children about. So thanks for having me. Yeah. And I'm, it's so interesting because you and I have been emailing back and forth actually for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this previously because my I know that my son's been exposed to vaping because he's been going to the skate park and hanging out and he's been asking a lot of questions about it. Um, so I reached out to you knowing that we probably needed to do a show on vaping, but sort of in between when you and I first started talking, so much stuff has happened and, you know, there's some deaths that have occurred mm-hmm. due to vaping, which I'm sure we'll get into, but it's just interesting how this topic specifically, it, it's almost changed. Not that it's changed, but the weight of it has almost changed in the past few weeks just since we've been talking or it's certainly gotten more press. Yeah. A lot more press has been <laughs> happening. And then you've heard about the um, acute kind of long illnesses and injuries that have been happening. But it's interesting as somebody who has worked in tobacco prevention for six years, I, I was kind of trying to sound the alarms even five years ago, but we just didn't have a lot of data on these products yeah. yet. Um, and we still don't have a lot, but there's some things that we do know and we know that they're not um, necessarily safe. They have their own health risks associated with them. And so I'm sure we'll talk about yeah, that as well today. But yeah. Yeah. There's just more in the news and parents are really starting to kind of hear more about it and um, getting more concerned about it. So let's get into that because I think that 
A lot of times with new stuff, especially for parents, we don't know all the details of what mm-hmm. is new and happening or, you know, or maybe I'm just sort of off base with what my 12 year old knows or teenagers know. Right. So I think that probably a good place to start is just what are e-cigarettes? Like, let's just start with the basics. Yeah. So there's hundreds of different um, vape devices on the market right now, um, but basically they all work the same. They're a battery powered device that heats up a liquid solution that contain um, varying amounts of nicotine, um, propylene glycol and vegetable glycerin, flavorings, um, as well as uh, maybe some other chemicals as well that we don't even know about. Um, so there's different generations that have kind of happened over the years. Uh, the first generation was really the disposable e-cigarette that a lot of people heard of where you would use the device. It almost even looked like a cigarette. Um, and then it was disposable. So then you would throw it in the trash and then get a new one. Um, since then, they've changed a lot. So there's also now uh, refillable tank systems or mods. Um, and those you typically get at like vape shops um, and can be refillable with um, nicotine solution and flavorings. And then um, the more recent ones that people have been really hearing about are the pod system. So that's going to be something like the Jewel, um, where it's reuse- reusable and rechargeable, um, but you would buy placeable pods that would have the liquid solution in them. There's also other brands that are popular as well. It's not just Jewel, but they kind of own the market share. All right. Let's talk about Jewel specifically, because okay. I felt like that was a question that I had. At one point, I had heard talk about it, and I didn't know what it was or how it was different. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about how Jewel is more is specifically more different than another type of e-cigarette? Yeah. So in terms of mechanics, they're not really that different, but they are the leader in the industry. They own about 75% of the market share. And they did that in roughly like two and a half years. So they went from not being a company at all to now owning the market share of the vaping industry. Um, and they're a USB flash dive looking um, device. So they're really discreet for kids to be using either in school or at home. They come in a variety of flavors um, that really appeal to kids. Um, And they've also made claims that their device can help smokers quit, which hasn't been approved by the Food and Drug Administration. Um, A little bit more of why they're different. Um, So they're actually the first company that we know of that's also added additional chemicals to um, their vape device to make them more mimic um, the uptake of nicotine that we see with a cigarette in the brain. So that can actually make it more addictive to the person. So they've added nicotine salts and benzoic acid to their vape liquid. And this isn't um, really shocking for me because traditional tobacco companies have done this for years. They've added thousands of chemicals to a cigarette for the same purpose to make it reach the brain quicker and become more addictive. So Juul is the first company that we know of that's kind of outright said that they've added chemicals for that purpose. But there may be other ones on the market that are doing the same thing. And isn't, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like the first time I heard about jewels or the difference was that, and maybe it's what you're saying, is that they they contain more nicotine. Mm-hmm. But I thought it contained more nicotine like to a huge degree beyond cigarettes. Is that true? Yeah. So they have um, two different categories of uh, or levels of nicotine right now. Um, but one pod um, is equivalent to about... Um, the same as a pack of cigarettes, so 20 cigarettes worth of nicotine. And a lot of young people don't know that, so they were using the device. It was fruity, kind of uh, masking the harsh effects of of nicotine um, and not realizing that they were intaking that much. Um, so we actually do see a lot of young people that started thinking that it was just a harmless water vapor, that there wasn't really nicotine in it, and then a couple weeks go by and they really feel like they're addicted to the product and um, have to continue using. All right. 
And I want to talk about that idea too. You had mentioned about how people have used vaping as this pathway to maybe quit cigarettes. And I want to come back to that later Mm because I would love to know if there's any, if that's actually happening. Mm -hmm. I feel like the people that I know are trying to do that are now just smoking both or Mm -hmm. using both. But anyway, we'll come back. (laughs) We'll come back to that. Um, Why is vaping so interesting to teens? Yeah, I think uh, one of the first things is that they're flavored. We know that most um, adult smokers, when they started in their adolescence, they started with a flavored product. Um, so that's one of the big differences between like a cigarette and a vaping product. Cigarettes used to be flavored. That We used to have cherry, vanilla, chocolate flavored cigarettes. And um, we knew that that was attracting young people to start using cigarettes. And so uh, flavors have been pulled from cigarette products, except for mint and menthol. But with vaping products, there's thousands of flavors on the market. Really, any flavor imaginable um, has been created. And that really appeals to young people. They can share different flavors and talk about which flavor of the day they have. Um, So that's one way that I think it really interests them. They're also a techie kind of gadget. So it's kind of fun for them, I guess, to experiment with that. And if they have one of the refillable tanks, they can do modifications to it to either have like big clouds or small clouds of the um, aerosol. Um, so you've probably heard of like vape tricks and stuff like that, that they can a, be doing a little bit, like yeah. just a little bit. Yeah. So they've, and they've also just been marketed to as well. So we've seen the same kind of playbook with traditional tobacco companies of having really fun marketing and advertising. Um, Jewel specifically had a lot of Instagram posts and social media um, and we're having launch parties with very young people there that didn't really look like adult smokers trying to quit. And I think those messages got to young people. They really thought that it was a safe alternative to smoking and didn't really think it was a big deal. And now we're learning more and more about these products that they aren't safe um, and that young people should not be using them. Can you tell me more about maybe the vaping rates in boys? This podcast is about raising boys. So so what are we talking about for, for parents of boys? Yeah, I have data um, on Larimer County. That's um, typically where I'm working. But if people are listening from across the nation, you can definitely look with your local health departments um, to see what the rates are in your region. But we have a Healthy Kids Colorado survey that's administered every two years um, to students across our state. I mean, it's really our only comprehensive health survey that's administered in our state, so it gives us really good data. And in 2015 is the first time they started asking about vaping products in use. Um, And in 2017, um, 45% of high school boys had reported ever using vape products, and 42% of girls had reported that. So it is a little bit higher for boys, Mm -hmm. um, but not by much. Um, And then in addition, 33% of boys and 30% of girls um, report current use, so that's past 30-day use. The survey also asks about marijuana use, and I think that's something particularly here in Colorado that a lot of people want to know about. Um, And smoking marijuana is still the method of choice for a lot of high school students. Um, 91% say that that's their method, but 20% of high school students say that they're also vaping it. So um, it's a little bit lower, but we see that that rate is also um, changing. So So interesting. That is great. We were talking before, and you said that in particular, Colorado's numbers are high, and in particular, our county's numbers mm-hmm. are high. But, like, with a percentage in the 40s, mm-hmm. that is so high. Yeah. <laughs> As a parent, I'm glad we're talking because it feels like, oh, my gosh, I really need to make sure I'm having this conversation and my kids understand the information. Yeah, because it's definitely something that they know about. And um, if they haven't been offered it, they definitely have seen it and have heard about students using it. So it's not news to them. Um, So it's good that we're having this conversation so parents can kind of get up to date on it and have conversations with them about it. Yeah. What, 
since it is so prevalent, are there any sort of government regulations or, or what regulations are in place to protect kids from getting involved or using these products? Yeah, unfortunately, they're not really regulated like cigarettes are right now. Uh, more regulations are starting to come down, but yeah. we've had this kind of long period of time, um, five to 10 years that they haven't been regulated. Um, and there's really no industry standards as well. So one company may be um, adding um, a ton of additional chemicals that can be harmful to health and other ones may be only having nicotine and flavorings um, and propylene glycol and vegetable glycerin. So it really can vary a lot between the brands, which also makes it hard for research um, because right. there isn't really a quality standard that we can look to to do re good research on. But a lot of states and communities are starting to provide their own regulations on vape products. So communities are starting to raise the minimum legal sales age to 21 to try and limit the amount of like 18-year-olds that are in high school that can then supply everybody. Right. Um, and kind of like limit that social network. Some communities are also um, uh, adding e-cigarettes or vaping products into their clean indoor air racks. So making it to where you can't use these products in places where you can't be smoking. And that really helps set norms for young people that this isn't really an acceptable thing to be doing out in society, that it's could be harmful to people who aren't using that maybe um, in the vicinity of you. Um, and then kind of the more recent one that's been in the news as well is um, banning the flavored products, knowing that that attracts young people. And that's actually something that the Trump administration is looking into and might be doing here pretty soon. So um, those are just a few of like the ways that communities are starting to um, regulate these products. It's so interesting that you I didn't know that uh, cigarettes were flavored at one point and they had that was then taken off the market because of their its influence on youth culture. And now that sort of seems to be happening with vape products as well. Yeah. So um, <laughs> cigarette companies were kind of notorious for marketing to young people and really putting their sales above the safety of their consumers. Um, yeah. And we have industry documents where they are quoted saying that they are marketing these sweet products towards young people and that they really need the young market to replace the dying smokers. Um, so it's not a surprise that vaping products also have a ton of flavors and that that's where a lot of scrutiny is coming from as well. The the lack of regulation, especially as a, you know, when we're talking about health concerns and in taking something to your lungs and mm -hmm. really companies can put whatever they want in it and then you ingest that into your lungs, it seems terrifying. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's something that young people need to know that they're not regulated. So you, you really have no way of knowing for sure what's in the product. You're kind of just trusting the companies that they're putting the ingredient list, that they're putting the right stuff on there and that they're not leaving something out. Um, and right. I think, and we're trusting companies that we know are just trying to get you hooked so you keep buying. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of the vape industry um, is also owned by big tobacco companies. So we're seeing that they're buying out some of the larger um, companies. So Juul um, is an example. They were bought out by Altria, who used to be Philip Morris. They own um, a partial, um, some of their market share. Um, and so it's, you know, kind of trusting big tobacco companies that we know have done this in the past. Right. They've proven untrustworthy. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of just like the exact same thing that happened before in terms of health and trying to right. get interesting. So let's talk specifically about the health risks that are involved mm -hmm. with probably both. The, I mean, just tobacco use in general and then vaping specifically. 
Yeah. So um, many of the long-term health risks are still unknown because they just haven't been around long enough for us to you know, know if they're going to cause cancer or anything like that. But there are things that we do now, and there's a lot of myths that I try and bust with young people. Um, the first one is that it's not a harmless water vapor. It's actually an aerosol that's created off of the device, um, which is a gas that has a, a suspension of different chemicals within it. The biggest thing is that that's going to leave something behind, whether it's in your lungs or in the environment. It's going to leave behind some of the chemicals that are heated up to really high temperatures. Um, and we're finding that heavy metals are leaching into that aerosol um, because the device itself is metal. Um, so when you're heating it up to 200 or 400 degrees, um, some of those metals are actually leaching in and can be exposing the user and bystanders to it. Um, there's also varying amounts of nicotine, marijuana that could be in it. Um, ultrafine particles that can be lodged deep inside the lungs and create some health risks. And then flavorings themselves can also become toxic when they're heated to that level. So there's ones that we already know of that um, are toxic, anything with cinnamon um, or cherry flavor. And I'm sure that there's more on the market that we just haven't even had time to to really research to see if they're toxic when heated to that level. Many companies are trying to spread the message to the public that these are safe alternatives to smoking. And that's, yeah. So many okay. of those claims are unsubstantiated um, and we just don't have the research showing that they're really a safe product and a good alternative to smoking cigarettes right now. I know that you don't know the, we don't know the long-term consequences of these products, but are there any, is there any speculation involved for what is likely going to happen or what is happening with this use of these? Well, one of the main things that we know about thus far is if they contain nicotine, that can be bad for the developing brain and cause some attention and learning difficulties for young people. So regardless of all the stuff that we don't know, if nicotine is involved and a young person's using it, that could be bad for their brain. Um, and it can also be really addictive, right? So it's the same chemical that's in cigarettes that make it addictive and can cause lifelong addiction. So those are some of the main things that we know of short-term that can cause health risks. Also just shortness of breath, impacting the lungs. Really, our lungs were only meant to breathe clean air. So anything we put into our lungs that's not clean air um, can cause some issues, coughing and respiratory illnesses. Can we talk a little bit about the recent recent news too, that's linking some infections to vaping and, and some of these infections have been deadly. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So it's um, really an acute lung disease or injury that we're seeing that's kind of stretching across the nation. Um, as of September 17th, um, there was 38 states that had cases, um, about 530 cases total, um, and seven deaths um, that have occurred from um, this acute lung illness. Um, and they really haven't been able to trace back the cause yet. They don't know if it's a certain product that's causing this, um, a substance that's involved. So more um, research is going to have to be done. And the states that are seeing cases are being asked to report really in-depth information about it so that the CDC, um, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, can really look into each case and try and see if there's a, a link to all of them. But thus far, they haven't been able to find a uh, culprit yet. So. Right. Which kind of makes the whole thing more terrifying, especially as you're as a parent, right? Like they don't know what's happening. So it maybe it's one time, maybe it's three times. Who knows if you're trying to talk to your kids to me, that's sort of like more scary um, that they're, they don't know what's happening. Yeah. And so this centers for D disease control and prevention is really recommending that if you're not a vapor to not start. Right. And if you're a young person to, um, 
to quit because there really isn't much out on it yet. And if you're concerned about it, the best thing to do is not use. Not use it. Anything else to say about kind of what is making vaping dangerous and addictive? I think I covered most things um, related to the health risks. Um, But really the biggest thing, especially when you're talking to young people, um, is to first mention that they're not regulated. So we don't really know what's in them. You're kind of just trusting the company. And then second, if nicotine is involved, that that is bad for their developing brain. It can make them more susceptible to addiction um, in their life. Um, And so that can be some things that are really concrete right now. Um, Sometimes young people, when you tell them about getting cancer 40 or 50 years from now, that doesn't really sink in for them, right? They're living in the moment. Um, So one thing that you can tell them is about how it impacts their brain right now. It can affect how they um, learn in school and their attention to detail um, when they're trying to learn something new. So I think those are things that kind of can click with them right away, as well as telling them that, you know, there's an industry behind it that has um, notoriously been marketing to young people. I think that really makes young people mad that they can be a target um, by an industry. So, right. Yeah. I was talking to my sister about this um, and she has a 19 year old. So she has some younger kids too. And and he's done his fair share of experimenting, but she was always really mm-hmm talk to him a lot about nicotine and, and sort of use that analogy. Like, man, you're just giving your money to the man. Like that is all they want is your money. They don't care about anything else. So I like that, that as a talking point for kids. Yeah. I think it's also good just to explain what addiction really means um, for a person and a good way to kind of talk about it is with smokers. Um, we know that 70% of smokers want to quit, which is huge, right? There's a lot of people that are going around, they're smoking, but they don't really want to be. Um, and we know that it takes them an average of eight to 11 times of trying to quit before they're actually successful. And some people never quit. Um, it's a really strong addiction. So despite the fact that they know it's bad for their health and that they want to quit, they're still unable to do so. So that's really strong. And that's a, something that you can tell young people about nicotine. It's, um, the strongest addiction that we have on the consumer market. So those are really need to be careful. I, yeah. I would never have thought about that. Obviously you're a tobacco educator, so you know, great numbers like that, but that is powerful to be able to tell your kids, you know, 70% of smokers want to quit and can't. Mm. That's, um, that's powerful. Well, let's talk about knowing all of that, uh, addiction information. Let's talk about what we can do as parents. And, and that's really the root of what, listeners want to know, right? Like what can we do to help prevent our kids from vaping? Yeah. So one of the best tools that parents have to prevent substance use is to talk to your kids. And I advise to do that young and often. You don't want to wait until they've already been offered a vaping product to then bring it up. Um, So the youngest that you can do it, um, the better, just, you know, make it appropriate for um, whatever age that they are. But first I advise to learn about the products so that for one, you're providing accurate information to your child, but also that so that you feel confident in having that conversation. And these conversations don't have to be formal. I think sometimes parents get a little bit intimidated about having like a formal sit down with their child about um, using drugs. And it doesn't have to be that way. Um, I kind of think of teachable moments. So say you're driving in the car and a radio ad comes up about vaping. That could be a good time to ask your child, what they think about it. What have they heard? Have they been offered the product before? And really let them help guide the conversation, um, see if they want to know anything more about the products, but also use this as an opportunity to set clear expectations and rules about use um, so that they know ahead of time what those consequences are going to be if they choose to use it and they get caught. 
Um, but also let them know that you want them to make good decisions and that you want them to have the right information to be able to do that. Vaping has a lot of consequences beyond just getting in trouble at school. There's health risks involved. Um, they could break trust with you if they use it. They could also have nicotine addiction for the rest of their life. So there's a lot of consequences that they can think about that could really impact the goals that they have set for themselves. So I think that's good to also have a conversation about how nicotine or any substance for that matter can impact the goals that they have. And lastly, provide accurate information if they do have questions about vaping. Like I said before, I think you can start with telling them information about nicotine addiction and how it impacts their brain as it's growing and also how the industry is uh, marketing to them. I think that's really important for them to know. And what about kind of helping just reduce use beyond our own kids? How do we kind of work to reduce the use of vaping products in the community? Yeah, um, I think we all have a role to play in this. Um, it's an epidemic and it didn't get that way from, you know, one for one reason, I think we all have a role to play in kind of reducing that. So parents can definitely talk to their own children about it. They can also reach out to their local elected officials to voice their concerns about it um, and make that a priority for city council members or board of trustees to really look into what they can be doing locally. Um, I also work with schools a lot on their tobacco-free campus laws and making sure that they're implementing that. They're, that they have some methods in place. So if kids are caught, that we're not just suspending them, that we're actually trying to give them a second chance and give them education about the products and really let them rethink the relationship that they want to have with tobacco products. Um, so those are just a few of the ways that I think we can, as a community, kind of band together and really start addressing this. And you had mentioned if they're caught, and I guess I want to cover that too, even mm-hmm. as a parent. Um, what what do you do if you're, you catch your child with vaping products? Yeah, I think one of the first things is to try and remain calm. And I know that's hard. <laughs> but Good advice. <laughs> but it's good when you're talking to a young person to remain calm and pretty non-judgmental. Um, and just remember that this is an addictive product. So they may have tried it not thinking that they were going to continue using. So I think it's a good time, again, to have a conversation, ask them about their use. Um, and why they're using, because sometimes there's something underlying. Maybe they're having a stressful relationship with a friend or a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Uh, Maybe their grades are changing and they're stressed out about that. So sometimes there's an underlying issue of why they're using the product in the first place. And it's good to kind of uncover that and maybe address that with them Um, and also encourage them to quit. You know, you want them to be healthy and successful. And if they are wanting to quit, there's resources that are available for them to try and help. So but yeah, it's hard when you when you catch your child um, doing something that you don't really want them to do. But I think um, that's a good reason to have that conversation before they ever try it, right? Mm-hmm. So that they know what the expectations are and um, what the rules are going to be around it. One thing that um, I had mentioned earlier about, I wanted to ask you about uh, this idea that vaping is sort of a pathway to quitting smoking cigarettes. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so they've definitely been marketed that way, um, although they are not one of the approved me- methods um, by the Food and Drug Administration for quitting. Um, so I'd really advise people to use some of the quit methods that are approved um, because those have been, for one, proven effective at helping people quit. But they've also shown that any health risks associated with using those products is far outweighed by the benefits of quitting. We don't have that same research for vaping right now. Um, And really the research is mixed on whether or not they're effective. We kind of hear anecdotal stories of people being able um, to quit with these devices, but more often I'm hearing about people switching. um, So not using cigarettes anymore and using vape products. So they're not really quitting their nicotine addiction. And that 
worries me a little bit that maybe they would have actually tried to quit cigarettes completely and quit their nicotine addiction. And now they're just switching over to a different product and still have that nicotine um, addiction going on. Um, or we'll see, we're seeing dual use, um, which is using both products. So maybe um, using the vape product where they can no longer smoke, but still also um, engaging in smoking. So not really getting rid of the health risks that are associated with maybe double smoking. Them. Yeah. <laughs> um, so their addiction might be stronger too, right? They yeah. might have a higher tolerance to nicotine when they're using two products and that can make it way harder to quit. So Really, the research is still kind of out on whether or not they can be effective. And um, we do have approved uh, methods like the nicotine patches, gum, there's medications available. And when those are paired with counseling or coaching, that's when it's most effective. So that's what I'd really advise people to start with first. Uh, You had mentioned um, offering your child some resources if they were wanting to quit. or um, So just in general, do you have any place that parents can go to find more information? Yeah, our website, we have a uh, website um, that's um, for young people who are trying to quit. So it's called uh, larimer.org slash youth quit. So that's a good resource to send them to um, for that. And then if any parents are just wanting to learn more, larimer.org slash vaping has some resources on it as well. Awesome. Well, we will link to those in the show notes so that people can find them. Any final thoughts? So uh, youth can also be a big part of changing this epidemic that we're seeing since they're the ones that are most burdened by vaping right now, I think they can be really strong advocates for changing policies. So our youth coalition that we work with here, youth action for health um, has prioritized vaping as an issue they want to work on. So they're going to be um, providing education to their peers about vaping. And also um, here pretty soon, they're going to be talking to our local elected officials to voice their concerns about vaping and really advocate for policies that'll help protect them. Cool. Is there for local teenagers, is there a way for them to get involved in that coalition as well? Yeah, they have their own website. It's youthactionforhealth.com. Cool. Thank you, Krista. Thanks so much for talking to me. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. You can find the show notes on www.boysbuiltbetter.com. And if you liked the episode, share it with your friends. Thanks for listening.